welcome to the 54th episode of The Week with Roger, a conversation between analysts about all things telecom, media, and technology from Recon Analytics. I'm Don Kellogg, and with me as always is Roger Entner. How are you doing, Roger? I'm great. Studio 54, huh? Oh, boy. So on the third week of September, the CEOs of the three national carriers spoke at the Goldman Conference. Uh, and I thought it was a really interesting articulation of the differing visions they have for the future. So I thought we could use that as a vehicle to talk about the positioning of the national carriers right now. What do you think? I I think that's great. And, you know, I think, you know, if we want to start with AT&T, I thought, you know, John Stanky was the most honest there, right? Saying he he's not happy with where, what, what what the brand stands for and what, at least what it stood for, and, and he's working on repositioning it. The brand uh, went through a lot of upheaval. You know, they under Randall Stevenson, they didn't want to be a, be a telco, you know, anymore, but they had aspirations to be media moguls and all of that stuff, right? Most powerful people in Hollywood and... La, la, la. And now it's back to basics. The way I would characterize it is you know, that he really talked a lot about becoming a streamlined communications company again for you know, AT&T, such that they could focus on the core business. And that involved divesting a lot of assets that were either a distraction or that, that didn't have synergies around what they're trying to do. You know, and separately, you know, spinning or you know, separating out you know, the Warner Media business such that it can be kind of valued in a different way from, you know, the communications assets, while AT&T shareholders still own, you know, roughly 70% of that company, I think is also important. So it was very much, you know, if I had to characterize the, the talk with any one word, it would be focus, right? He talked a lot about focusing their efforts on, you know, being good at the thing they want to be and kind of removing all other distractions, and I thought that was interesting, particularly, as you said, given kind of some of the forays that AT&T has made in recent years around media and things of that nature. Yeah, but, uh, but what's also important is what he didn't talk about, right? When we look at where are we now, and we were like about a year and a half into the 5G era, and the competitive mix gets always changed when there's a new technology and and this time around we also had new management teams right at, at all three carriers and different different ceos make make different decisions right so we in the past we had t-mobile as the the the, the value player and we had at&t and and verizon as as more or less the premium players, right? And I think you can be positioned as a premium player if you have the best or the second best network, right? If you have the third best network uh, and you position yourself as premium, that might not work out too well, right? What I find interesting is AT&T is holding on quite well to one or two, depending on how you look at it, with focusing increasingly on reliability and on 4G, they probably still have the fastest speeds, but not on 5G. So they, they, that is there. But what we also see is like, and I don't know if it's a deliberate or if it is an act, 
accidental, maybe it's both, move closer to the value segment and becoming a value leader. And how do we see this? You know, two things. One is really spectacular handset promotions for both existing and new customers. And ARPU is declining, right? <clears throat> that to me sounds a lot more like value play. And nobody has picked that up yet, right? And, and hand in hand, net ads go up. Whoa, right? Who saw that coming? Right. But I mean, you also have to figure if you're, if you're going out there and giving everybody a free phone, this is essentially what they're doing with, for example, the, the iPhone 13 Pro, then you would hope that your net ads would go up. I mean, I think I, I'm not saying I don't I don't think it's a decent strategy, but you're but you're paying for that. Right. And I think that's, exactly. that's been the big criticism, I think, of AT&T within the analyst community is, you know, is this sustainable? I think what, what we heard is from John Stanky's perspective, it is sustainable. Right because they're saying they're still getting attractive customers and that anybody would want these customers, right? The question is, at, at what cost? Yeah, but, you know, if we take all CEOs by their word, you know, nobody would need our two cents that comes with it. But, you know, we've done the analysis on it, and yes, it is sustainable at, at, for the time being, right? Profit is going up. Lifetime value is going up. This is a winning formula, especially because Verizon doesn't want to play the net ad game anymore as Hans Westberg. Yeah, so I mean, we should talk about that. We should exactly. talk about it. And I think what, what I would say in terms of the AT&T promotions is when we looked at this, they all hinge on churn, right? If you can drop churn through the floor, there's a lot more you can do because it costs a lot of money to acquire a customer. You know, the, the code of that is, I would say that Promotions don't exist in a vacuum, right? So if AT&T starts something where everybody then matches that offer, and to your point around Verizon, it doesn't seem like they're quite ready to do that, then that, that's sustainable, right? But the second their churn starts to creep up, which you would see if there are other kind of comparable offers in market, then it doesn't stand up, right? So where we stand today with, with the churn where it is today, it definitely works. We're in the numbers on it, right? The question is, is everybody else going to, you know, are, are we going to have a Mexican standoff? Or Do they play their part? And right now, I think Verizon is that ideal foil for both T-Mobile and, and AT&T because they're like, oh, uh, we're, we're, we're not going to go after new customers, but we're getting more cust more money out of the same customers. Right. So I thought, I, I thought this was really, really interesting, right? Because Verizon's net ads have not been particularly good over the last year or so, but their financials have been quite good, right? And so what they've essentially said is, oh, we've got all these folks on legacy metered plans. We're going to move them up the food chain in terms of getting them on unlimited plans that include content, and we're going to make more money off those folks. And we're not necessarily going to go out and try to play the NAD ad game. And up until recently, I feel like Hans and, and Ronan and the leadership team there had kind of danced around this idea of, you know, why aren't you getting more nets? And he actually explicitly said it this time, right? He said, we're not interested in playing this game. We think we can grow based on upgrading our base and that we have a lot of runway to do that. And I thought that was really interesting. And yes, Don, and you've done a lot of analysis on this, that this is actually more than just a straight upsell. Right. So 
when we took a look at this, one of the things that we uncovered via the the financials and the the distributions of, of accounts that Verizon of account types that Verizon releases is that a lot of the legacy metered folks are almost a turn risk, right? Where they're they're probably playing a little more than than they should relative to unlimited plans. And so Verizon talks a lot about getting folks up off of metered plans, but it's less about, you know, getting those folks to pay more money and, and more about kind of defending against churn, right? And when a lot of those folks move over, what you actually see is that they end up paying a little bit less on the entry-level unlimited plans that Verizon offers. And, and if you listen carefully when they talk about their unlimited plans, they always talk about premium unlimited and how many folks are getting on premium unlimited. The reason for that is the only way they're they're doing anything that's ARPU accretive is by getting folks up on those more premium ARPU plans, right? So there's there's some interesting dynamics going on there, and they're they're definitely you know managing to move folks up the up the food chain. I think one thing that's interesting, if you look at the promotions across the carriers right now, is they're all requiring you to sign up for a higher ARPU plan to get some of these more aggressive handset promotions, right? So it doesn't come out from nowhere, right? And so this is actually a true prong strategy by Verizon. And the only way they make them their their revenue and their profit guidance that they have given is to move the customers into that top super premium bucket. And the stronger Magenta Max is and the stronger the unlimited elite from AT&T is, the more difficult it becomes for, for, for Verizon, especially there's only a limited number of people that want and can afford these super premium offers. And when the others are taking the oxygen out of the room, you know, Verizon is gasping for air. So we have one strategy, and then they're talking about, oh, but we care about budget two, and here's track phone. Really? If, if we all had a time machine, you know, going, going back to the beginning of the pandemic when everybody thought that the economy was going to tank and, and nobody was going to have any money and we weren't going to have historic levels of stimulus to keep everything propped up, I think buying a, a prepaid carrier was or prepaid operator is a, is a would have been a good move. But I think, you know, what, it, what happened subsequently and within, with all the stimulus and everything else, it really kind of took the wind out of prepaid. Yeah, if, if this would have been a 2007, 2008 replay, this would have been a genius move. And then both Democrats and Republicans alike are pumping huge amounts of stimulus money in the economy, and it completely snuffs out that that drive towards prepaid, right? Right, right. So, I mean, I think that's all to say, you know, I don't think we can fault Verizon for not having a crystal ball in terms of what was going to happen around stimulus. That having been said, you know, prepaid looks as a category a lot, a lot less attractive now than it did a year and a half, two years ago when they announced this deal. You know what Frederick the Great of Prussia said about his generals, that they only need to have one trade. You know, they need to have fortune. They need to be lucky. <laughs> right. 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 <laughs> well, you know, it didn't, didn't work out that way. So the more Verizon moves to super premium, the greater that value differential is between them and T-Mobile and and AT&T, which just drives then more subs into their direction. And, you know, you pointed it out 
what Mike Siebert said about about the customers coming coming in, right? Yeah, so I thought it was interesting. You know, when Sievert talked, we got a lot of the same kind of T-Mobile talking points that we normally get. I think they have more than any of the other carriers, probably the most of a talk track in terms of what, how they talk about their business. Uh, but one thing they haven't talked, hadn't talked about a lot recently or pr- provided concrete numbers on was Magenta Max, right? So Magenta Max is their version of the ultra premium plan where, you know, it's unlimited data, but there's no throttling, right? And not coincidentally, they're requiring folks that get the best new iPhone deals to get onto Magenta Max. There's obviously higher credit requirements for that as well. And so one of the things that Mike Sievert mentioned on this most recent call was that their percentage of folks that are coming in that were prime was increasing over time, right? So that would tend to track with, with what you're saying around folks at you know Verizon or presumably AT&T coming over uh, that tend to be a, a higher credit profile customer, right? Yeah, that come to Magenta because the Sprint customers are still hemorrhaging. A couple interesting things about what Sievert said. So Osvaldic, the CFO, spoke recently as well, and both Mike Sievert and Osvaldic said that the data breach had temporarily impacted their numbers during the quarter. And so, you know, it's not common to hear some contrition on on a, on a call with with leaders from T-Mobile, but there's definitely a lot of that in terms of, you know, we're sorry about the mistake, et cetera. Yeah, we only made it now three times, right? <laughs> when who's counting, you know? <laughs> yeah, right. So so they're working with Mandiant and they're they're working with KPMG to unsnarl kind of the process stuff that that made this happen. But yeah, so then then we have T-Mobile and they're still extremely excited about you know, the budget carrier with the premium network. But I, I, A, I don't think they're there yet, right? They think that they will be there yet, right? Because 75% of traffic is, is still 4G. So maybe with the iPhone 13 being a massive success, there will be more. And then they're underspending on the network. They're spending, what, eight, nine billion on it? Verizon, AT&T are spending 15, 18 billion on it. And, and that catches up with you because we, we traditionally have always seen that towards the latter years of a generation, typically that's seven years, eight years in a generation. So in year five or so, regardless of who has more spectrum, we have network parity in urban in urban areas, because simply the money that that the other carriers are pouring in is making up that spectrum advantage that one or the other carrier has, right? And so this belief of T-Mobile that they won 5G for the period, I wouldn't celebrate victory before, before the last shot has been shot. You know, somebody might still hit them between the eyes and and catches them. And what was really interesting last quarter, right, they grew for the first time without free lines. And we're like, oh, that's a strategy change. Interesting. Wow. That's a remarkable sign of strength for T-Mobile. And then what happened mid-quarter? You know, drum roll, dawn, 
Well, they had a data breach and then they turned back the three lines on, right? So Yeah. Oops. I think there's yeah, I, I agree. I agree. I think that it remains to be seen. I think, you know, if you look at the network assets that they have, they are in a strong position. But I also agree that you've got to then spend the money to, to build that network, right? And I think yeah. one of the things that they talk about that's really interesting is you know, they're focused on rural markets. Right. So they, they highlighted for the first time what they see is their actual share in rural markets, which is 13%. They've always said lower mid-teens before, right? So they're saying in, in 40% of the country, we have 13% share, and we think we can grow that on the back of a network deployment where they're now theoretically going to be comparable to an AT&T and Verizon. I think that there's a lot of kind of consumer perceptions built into who has coverage where versus not. And granted that they they rolled out the 600 megahertz spectrum a number of years, that gives them a lot better of a coverage layer. They're still going to have a lot of work to do to just overcome the, hey, T-Mobile doesn't work over there perception that a lot of people have. So we'll see, right? But if they can do that, there's huge upside, right? There's huge upside. So I think the goal that, that Mike presented at the Goldman Sachs conference of 20% share in five years, I think they are going to blow that away, considering that they have 50% share in, in most of, of you know, the big cities. Their problem is that there are not that many young people left in rural America, and the young people are changing the fastest and are, are the most likely to churn. And then their wireless to the home plan, it might get blunted by $40 billion plus uh, stimulus funding on, on fiber in rural America, right? Yes, although I would say that, you know, fiber requires running fiber, which is not a small endeavor, right? You've got to, you've got to dig a trench. It doesn't happen overnight. And if I had to bet on who'd be faster, somebody putting up, throwing up a cell site versus somebody digging a trench, I'd probably bet on the cell site. So again, I, I don't disagree that there's going to be some headwinds there, particularly in the broadband space for them. But, you know, they also guided to, I think, what was it, seven or eight million broadband subs over a five-year period. That's not a lot, right? Like that's another, I think, low bar they're, they're going to leap over. Yeah, it's a low bar that, that, you know, you can have three pines and stumble over it, right? You know, the same way with half a million this year, you know, it's like you can make that without advertising. So, and we know that they've been advertising because we've kept our ear to the ground in in rural America. So it's very interesting to see how, how this interplay will will work out with T-Mobile going, waiting for the network and, and everything to come together. You know, AT&T becoming more, more of a value brand and, and Verizon to squeeze more money out of their existing players. And oh, by the way, what's even, in our opinion, even, even more difficult for Verizon is that a lot of the differentiation relies on content from third parties that have a history of squeezing their, their, their business partner to death, like Boa Constrictors, right? Yeah, so I mean, I know that we're, we're trending towards the content discussion. I know, I know what you yeah. think about content providers. I mean, I guess I would say, you know, in what you know, Ronan has said, 
CEO of consumer at, at Verizon that they're making deals at wholesale levels. Yeah. That, that, you know, it's still money through the tail and they're still making, they're still profitable. Yeah. But that's how you, how they hook you on drugs, right? The first one is free. Maybe the second one you get for a discount, right? I don't know. I'm never, I'm not an expert in this stuff. Right. But, you know, mobile plans don't last forever, right? I mean, I think, you know, the folks at Verizon are big boys and they understand that, and girls, right? And they understand, you know, when they see something moving in the wrong direction, they can change the plans up, right? Yeah, that's why they sold Yahoo and AOL again, right? <laughs> right. Right. But I think, you know, if you look at where Verizon's going to be in a number of years from now, when they're probably looking to refresh their plans, right? They'll have, they'll presumably be in a place where they've actually deployed C-band, and they have decent yeah. band coverage, right? Yeah. They'll be in a very different place uh, in terms of how the network operates and the economics of that. And so maybe they'll decide you know, that they can take the hit on the content deals and just keep going, or maybe they'll decide that they want to pivot, right? And Mike Siebert or his successor will say, like, see, we can still have Netflix off off with us. Well, you know, it's interesting you say that, right? Because T-Mobile also this quarter came out with, what is it, free Apple TV, Right in a deal that for all that for all the aspersions they cast on Verizon around content deals, they turned around and did one that was almost identical with Apple for Apple TV. I know you don't like content, but there are a lot of players in in the industry that, that still seem to think that those are those are good deals to make. Well, yeah, I I always wonder how much the carrier actually pays for that first half year. Maybe nothing, right? And then it's very easy to say, like, oh yeah, you can have you can have six months of of this and that because because the content owner uses it as an extended promo. You know, who knows? I don't know the contractual details, but these guys have 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 stupid money in Silicon Valley. Apple, Netflix, Amazon. Who is it? They have m marketing budgets that that are truly bottomless, right? Mm -hmm. And for them to to throw something out and maybe not charge for it for six months, oh well, who cares, right? All right. Well, I think we'll leave it there. We'll talk next week. Thanks, Roger. Talk to you next week. Mm -hmm.